You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Guess who's back? Back again. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh is back. On your airwaves, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers here in southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez here. Uh, there, there's a reason that I'm not a musician, as you could tell by the first 10 seconds of today's show. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, and James, I came up with a new nickname for you. Oh, really? I mean, it's not a new nickname, but I'm just going to start calling you it now. Okay. The Brofessor. The Brofessor. <laughs> the Brofessor. Oh, my goodness. What's going on, Brofessor? How are you? Doing all right. How about you? Um, I'm here, and I'm excited. College baseball starts tomorrow. Well, I was the, the postseason starts there it, tomorrow. There it is. And it's going to be fun, man. I mean, LSU and Hattiesburg... That's gonna be an intriguing regional. You got LSU, you got UL and College Station. There's so many storylines there. You got Southeastern. You've got Tech. I mean, it, it's gonna be a fun weekend of, of college baseball. And then, you know, you're gonna get down to 16 teams after this weekend. And the next weekend with the Supers, it's gonna get even better. Uh, so it'll be fun. The NBA Finals start tonight. You got the Memorial Golf Tournament. You've got Saints, Astros. We got a lot to get into. Um, but before we dive deep into real sports, I want to talk about our 1037 the game home run derby yesterday. That bat was defective, and I demand a redo. Demand a redo. Well, <laughs> I watched back some of the film. That was atrocious, dude. And you kind of did just hit. Your bat just went straight down. So. <laughs> I, I, I oh, can't. So, so you're saying I have a bad swing. <laughs> you're, yeah, go, you're, go ahead and say you're it. Swinging, yeah, you're swinging down. Yeah, you're hitting a grounder. I'm, a, I'm better at golf than I am at anything else. That says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That says a lot because you told me multiple times how you're not that good at golf. I'm not. Hey, like I said, like I said yesterday while we were doing it, there's a reason that I talk about sports. You did you did throw that and out I'm there after the I'm not playing them pitch. for a living. There's a reason. I played them as a kid when everybody was on the same playing field. I was always pretty good at basketball. Basketball was always kind of my thing. And then, you know, injuries derailed that one. But, yeah, baseball was never my game. Um, it was fun to play, but I, I hit that stage in life where you hit like 10 years old. And and you're like, wow, and <laughs> the game is elevated and I'm not there. Coach stopped <laughs> pitching to you? Yeah. And, and your teammates started pitching to you? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just wasn't fast enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was never good at hitting. I remember, I remember one time. Uh, because I got hit early as a kid, so you know you had that early fear. Oh right, of, sure. of getting hit by the ball. You, you're and backing you, and away you're from having, anything, and you're having other ten and eleven year olds throw it at you now. 
for oh, the yeah. for the last two years, I remember I remember my dad at one point, or no, it was the yeah, it was my dad initially because I, I refused to hit the ball. I, I would hope to get walked because I was faster than everyone else at the time. So it's like if I get on base, we have a good chance of scoring if I get to first. Right, right. So I was like, just just th- please throw four balls, and I, I and I would even scrunch to like lower the the strike zone. That's so funny. So they so they would like try and call ball, but I remember one day my dad said, "James, if you get a hit here, I'll give you five bucks." Hey! <laughs> and then the other coach was like, "Dude, I'll double that." <laughs> so so next next uh, at bat for me, I get a double. Nice. So I got fifteen dollars out of it. Nice. That's awesome. That that reminds me. Uh, have you watched Kurt Warner's movie? American the, Underdog, the new one. Yeah, just, no, I didn't watch it. So, it's, so it's out on Hulu now. Um, I watched it over the weekend, and so he's playing in arena football, and he throws a touchdown, and he goes, and it's his first touchdown in arena football, and he goes to the sidelines, and coach pulls out a hundred dollar bill, and hands it to him, and so Kurt, well, it was Zachary Levi, but Kurt in the movie goes, Coach, what's this? Coach said, it's your touchdown bonus. <laughs> and so it cuts to him going back out on the field the next offensive possession and he goes so you're going to give me a hundred bucks every time I throw a touchdown coach said every single one <laughs> audible to a pass every time he buckles his chin strap he said this is going to be fun this is going to be easy <laughs> this is going to be fun I think he threw seven touchdowns in that game <laughs> like light work easy money um, yeah man we got a big show today we're going to talk Celtics, Warriors, NBA Finals, game one tonight. We've got some hockey to talk because Edmonton and Colorado play tonight, and I think that they might have replaced the scoreboard yesterday on the day off. I mean, 8-6 to six Tuesday night. That's absurd. That's a baseball score on ice. So we'll talk about that. The Memorial Tournament, we'll talk about that as well. James... Before we get too far, though, I do have a question. I'm looking at MLB scores right now. If there is a 6-1 to one lead in the top of the ninth, and it starts raining, why would you call a rain delay? Can't you just call the game? No, because you still, you still got to give them that one inning chance. Okay. The off chance that they get at least five runs. So, so yes, let's sit around for two hours for the Angels to go three up and three down against the red-hot Yankees and still lose. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pro sports. You can't count anything out. That's the idea. The likelihood that they would come back, not very high, but you don't want to count anything out. Man, I, I don't know. I feel like if I was the coach, I'd have been like, all right, it's raining. Let's go home. I mean, if you're the coach and you want to give up, go ahead. But I mean, there just comes a point. So six to one in the ninth, you'd have to score five runs mm-hmm. in one inning. Yeah. After you've been sitting there in a rain delay, getting stiff, getting tired, all adrenaline and momentum is gone. But that's why you go start stretching about thirty minutes after they get they give you a period to. To warm up again. It's not like you go straight back out there after eating hot dog. I mean, I understand, but I, it's different. I don't know. I would just, I would just say some, that some of the, some of the biggest comebacks have come from whenever there is a big delay. 
I mean, look at the Super Bowl in 2012 in New Orleans. Uh, that's true. How long were they? They were delayed like what? An hour and a half? Uh, Two hours? That was no, not that long. It, it wasn't was, that long. No, it was. It was about a thirty-minute delay. That's it. Yeah, I thought it was longer than about, that. I think it was about 30, 40 minutes. Huh. What do you think about Phil Knight and Alan Smolinski, who is part owner of the Dodgers, making an offer to buy the Portland Trailblazers? Oh. More than two billion dollars. And they, and they would just both share ownership. Correct. Oh, okay. So like the that. owner of the uh, the owner of Nike or the founder of Nike mm-hmm. and part owner of the L.A. Dodgers combined a offer of more than two billion dollars to purchase the Portland Trailblazers. That sounds about right with the Trailblazers. I don't know their exact off top, but it's about that two to three million yeah. billion dollar range. Yeah. Um, right now, the team is being overseen by the Paul G. Allen Trust. Obviously, Paul Allen passing away a couple years ago, so his family is now taking ownership of the team. They also own the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they are engaged in serious discussion with the family and the yeah, plan. They're, they're only worth 1.85. So, yeah. So, so offering 2.2. Yeah, that's about right. That would be about right. Another small market team they're basing this off of is the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves sold for $1.6 billion to A-Rod. And wasn't it somebody A-Rod and somebody else, wasn't it? Or it was a couple people. Anyways, um, Phil Knight. I didn't realize Phil Knight was already 84 years old. <laughs> but I guess Nike is like 50 years old. So that would make that would make sense. Uh, it's considered one of the 25 richest people in the U.S. It was it was founded in '64, so it's so it's, it's almost, almost 60, 60 years yeah. old. Yeah. So, okay, so that makes sense. Worth north of 50 billion dollars. Uh, he was born in Portland, graduated from Oregon, and stepped down as CEO of Nike in 2016 after 52 years of running the company. Wow, that's impressive. All right, poll question of the day. We got a little off track there. Poll question of the day. We had the home run derby yesterday. What do you want to see happen next? Pick the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge. Is it Nerf basketball? Will we do a best of seven rock, paper, scissors? A QB challenge. We're working out the details of that one. So far, it'd be longest throw, and then we would just grab a bunch of our big trash cans, like three or four and if and if and you then, hit the outside, it'd be a point. Then if you get it in, it's two. Or and then, ma- or and then what if we do this? Okay. Throwing on the run. Okay. Three you throws, want, most you completions. Want, you want okay? You want to roll left and right? Right, most completions. Okay. And if you tie, we'll figure out a tiebreaker. Somehow, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that way it's like you roll out the pocket and try yeah. to hit your target. Yeah. Okay. Luckily enough, we do have a nice patch of grass. Yeah, we do on, we, on we, the we, on the other side. We do have a good over there area. instead of being in front of the building. And then here's the one that that Matt wants. This is what Matt wants to do. Uh, 2K22, NBA 2K22. Bring my PS4 into the studio. We can hook it up into one of our TVs here in the studio and play 2K one on one to see. Are we playing like blacktop or just like a five on five? Uh, how whatever you want, James. Okay. <laughs> However you want to do it, we'll figure it out. But no, so go vote on Twitter and Facebook. Figure out 
what our next challenge is going to be, and we will do that tomorrow before crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Speaking of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, how would you like to meet us? On June 22nd, it's the game's birthday. And this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at the Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd from 4 to 9. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities, including Crunch Time Miguez and Mesh, who will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Ambassador on Wednesday, June 22nd for the game's 10th birthday bash. It's going to be a great time. We're going to be there. Great food, great prizes, and a live edition of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. We'll take a time out here, right here, and when we return, James and I will dive deep into the NBA Finals. Celtics Warriors, who is going to get it done tonight in the Bay. You're listening to 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The NBA Finals in here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed. And when you place your first $5 bet, bet the money line, the point spreads, the player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for even bigger paydays with same-game parlays. I like the Warriors to win Game 1 as they'll be at home, and I like Clay to score the most threes in the game. Sign up today with promo code KLWB. If you haven't tried FanDuel yet, Now's the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing out on all the action. Join today with promo code KLWB and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issue is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and would like some help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thank you, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Before we get to our NBA Finals conversation, breaking news from the world of golf. Hideki Matsuyama was disqualified from the 2022 Memorial Tournament midway through the first round today. Matsuyama was informed on the 10th tee that he was disqualified for an equipment violation. Supposedly, there was a a substance on the face of one of Hideki's clubs, and by the time the tour realized it, he was already halfway through his round. And so they told him to keep playing while they investigated it. And when they finally reached a decision, he was finished with his ninth, his front nine. And that is when they decided to disqualify him. Uh, so Hideki Matsuyama, once again, disqualified from 
this year's Memorial Tournament for a equipment violation. All right, James. Celtics, Warriors, Warriors three-and-a-half-point favorites. However, according to a lot of matchup predictors, the the Celtics seem to be the favorite tonight. Yeah, the matchup predictor actually is leaning towards Boston, surprisingly. With how how much and how good the Warriors are at home, that's actually kind of shocking. So, so talk talk to me. What's what's your expectation for this series? What do you think the Celtics need to do to get it done? You know, how do they match up with the Warriors? The way I see it is kind of just stay doing what you're doing for the most part when it comes to playing defense. Because at some points you're going to get calls that obviously you feel shouldn't happen but that happens with every game and that happens with every sport so you shouldn't shy away from playing the type of defense that has gotten you here and making doing multiple switches which could help a lot with the big motion offense that the Golden State Warriors play I think that'll definitely help Golden State they haven't really played a defense like Boston yet where they're top ranked because Denver Dallas and who they play in the second round, the Grizzlies. They all, they're all kind of middle of the pack, maybe on the lower end of defense efficiency. I think the Grizzlies might be the highest out of all of them, but I mean they haven't played a top ranked like Boston. So this this one will definitely play a factor. I feel the fact that Marcus is not on the injury report anymore. People are saying Steph's going to have to step up. Well, I think Marcus is going to stay on him most of the time unless they do the switches. I don't I don't think he'll be super effective in my eyes. I think it's going to come down to Wiggins being efficient and trying to get you 20 points and Clay just, just knocking down a bunch of shots because Steph's going to have to be more of a playmaker than a scorer, I believe. So you think Steph's going to have to facilitate... Steph's going to have to turn to maybe more of a traditional point guard, I would say. He'll definitely have his moments where you'll see him drive and go for the layup. But him shooting the ball? Marcus is there all the time. Robert Williams is really good in closing on the corners. And Steph likes to shoot corners. He likes to shoot everywhere. But you definitely see him shoot a lot of corner shots. And we've seen Rob Williams affect or actually even tip or block corner threes before. All right, so I have a question for you. Okay. I know that Iguodala has not been much of a factor mm-hmm. through their season, even in, especially in the postseason, only playing three games in the postseason. But the experience that he does have in the playoffs, the experience that he does have in the NBA Finals, having won a Finals MVP, how big of a blow is it that he is listed as out for game one tonight? I really don't think it's as big of an issue I think what really is the X factor for tonight and the whole series is the Warriors getting Gary Payton the second back I think getting him back because he obviously is amazing at defense as well because you know he's the son of Gary Payton so getting him back and being able to affect the Celtics offense who can be stagnant at times and they become a little too ISO heavy and they go away from making a bunch of passes and putting pressure on the defense 
or looking for matchups when it never really opens up and then it's super late in the shot clock. Sometimes they sometimes you'll see Jalen Brown try to dribble into double or triple coverage, trying to make a spin move, and he gets stripped or he puts the ball on the floor a little too much. And something like that is what we saw with Jimmy and the Heat defense. We could see that again with the Warriors defense as Gary Payton can make that play just as easily. Okay, now let me ask you this. You know, the the Warriors have a, a prolific offense between Curry, Thompson, Jordan Poole when he's on. Which, he, which is weird. He hasn't been very on the last no, he hasn't. seven, eight games. Andrew Wiggins and then... Kevon uh, Looney getting rebounds. Kevon Looney, Jonathan Kaminga. You know, I, I know the Celtics are... You know, one of those great defensive teams this year, but that's a tall task for a seven-game series. What do the Celtics have to do defensively to slow down the offense of of Golden State? You have to make sure that your players are able to play because if you have Rob protecting the paint, and you got Marcus guarding either Clay or even switching on to Jordan Poole or any of the other players, I mean, that'll create tough shots. And we see Golden State, they can get very turnover-heavy at times. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll get very careless with the ball. So I could see at some points you'll see maybe two or three turnovers in a row. Like you may see a Marcus Smart tipped pass. They try to He tries to recover before it goes out of bounds and tries to throw it. But because Gary Payton was there to recover, they get it back. And they go on the floor and then... Like they maybe try to go for a layup, and then you see Rob Williams blocking. You'll just see a crazy sequence like that because neither team at some points they just sometimes they just don't want the ball. It feels like because they're so careless with it. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, it's it's very true. Now, a, another interesting thing that I have seen is some of the betting odds for this series. The Warriors are a plus 130 or a minus 130 favorite. I was I think I think they're a I think they're a minus 160 plus 130 for the Celtics. Minus But it kind of it, it kind of just varies between the different sites. Right. Now, but what I was what I what I'm getting at is that's the tightest finals odds in 15 years. Which makes sense because you look at the last few years it feels like it's so easy to predict because the Warriors, when they got KD, it was like, okay, we'll just pick them every time until KD got injured, and that's what secured it for Kawhi and the Raptors. Yep. And then when Kevin Love was out earlier in the playoffs and then Kyrie got injured game one, it was like, okay, well, it's kind of just LeBron at this point in the 2014 finals. It was like, okay, that's easy to pick for the Warriors in 2020. You you could just kind of tell LeBron was the only one mentally there at that point in the bubble. So I was like, okay, I mean, Heat are an interesting team, but do you really think that whole team is going to be there and kind of have that mentality long enough to try and beat LeBron? I, I didn't think so. Yeah. And obviously that one was a snooze fest. Right. That one was the lowest rated finals in years because it was like, okay, it's just going to be the Warriors. Uh, yeah, no, the Lakers. It's just going to be Lakers. And then last year, it was interesting. Phoenix had their chances, but it just felt like it was Giannis' time. 
Oh, yeah. Last year, it was definitely Giannis's time. Um, there's no question about it. Looking at some more of the betting odds, what do you think about this bet? Clay Thompson to score five plus first quarter points and 50 plus total points scored in the first quarter of game one. Hmm. Plus 220. Plus 220? That one's pretty good. Because you could you could see it early on. I mean, the Warriors could just I mean I can't hit, hit see, it like that, and they they hit three threes in a row, and all of a sudden they're up twelve to two within right. the first two minutes. Right. I can't I can't see these two teams scoring less than fifty combined. And because then because Tatum because Tatum Tatum can score twenty and a half easily, and Jalen Brown he can go off for. 10 to 12 himself and you may get a couple threes from Marcus Smart just kind of depends on the half or not or even yep. the whole game if he is able to hit that night. So that's that's in, yeah, it's a that's an odds boost. It was plus 165, now it's plus 220. Usually with FanDuel whenever I see an odds boost, I usually click it and every time I've done it I've been 100%. I don't do it every time, but Right. How about this NBA boost? Jason Tatum to average 25 plus points per game in the series and Boston to win the series. Ooh, okay. So the thing is with Boston, I'm picking Boston and I'm picking Golden State in six because I the way I have it is it's game six clay over game six Tatum or any of the Celtics players. Like I just feel like if they're gonna close it out, they would they need to close it out in five or six. I don't think it'll be in five. I think Boston will get at least two, but they have to do it within that sixth game because we we know the history of Boston. They played the most game sevens and they've also won the most game sevens by a pretty large margin. Oh yeah. So if it gets to game seven and we see a third one in a row for Boston, I like their chances. It'll be interesting. Um the NBA finals is always fun because even though because like I'll I'll be the first to say it. This has not been an exciting NBA postseason. It really hasn't. Um, there's been a couple series that have been, you know, exciting, but for the most part, the whole first round was really good. I yeah, would say. the first round was good, but after that, everything kind of started to go as you expected it to. I mean, I I liked how, I mean, the Milwaukee Boston series was really good. The Mavericks Sun series was pretty good until you got to the game seven, but that's just because it was like. What happened? Yeah. They, the the Suns just fell apart. But I mean, overall, I would say it wasn't bad. I don't want to say it was underwhelming. It, but it to me, it was still a nice breath of fresh air because you got rid of KD and Kyrie early, so you didn't have to worry about the which, pest. Which and you didn't see LeBron at all. So it was like, well, I haven't seen any of these players in a while, so I get fresh faces. You see, I know we need to get to a timeout, but you brought that up. I need to I need to ask you about that. KD and Kyrie are out. Yeah. Now both of their team, both of their former teams, are, are playing are in, the, in finals. the finals. Yeah. The question has been thrown around the sports world all day today. Do you think they regret it? Think either one of them regrets their decision? I don't think so because, I mean, neither of them were too fond of the organizations. And by the time they got out of there, it's which like, is, I'm so happy I'm out of here. It's which like, is so funny because when Kyrie, Kyrie's first year in Boston. I promise I'll resign. 
I promise I'll resign. I'll be I'm here the, as long as you'll have me. Blah, blah, blah. Without Horford looking at him like, and no, then, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Gone. And then KD, like, I get KD's KD, position. KD felt unwanted because Draymond was kind of like, we can win without you. you and not only not only that, not only that, I think there was a part of KD where we all know he went to Golden State just to win one. And then as soon as you said, hey, your, your two rings that you won with, with Golden State, we're not counting those. Or those those don't matter and, as much. And and to an extent, yeah. Um, but now that he had one, he said, you know what? I got to go win one on my own. Exactly. And then you team up, with, team up with Kyrie and, it's and like, James Harden. And that's, and well, now James and Blake Harden's Griffin. Gone, but that's all a nightmare. That's the Brooklyn Nets, man. I feel so bad for Steve Nash. I really do. I don't. Oh, God. That is a wow. Anyways, if you want to see the Houston Astros in person, well, listen up. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you could be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. As always, Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. On the other side, Jamie Plunkett, a TCU beat writer for Frogs Today, is going to join us to preview TCU and Louisiana coming from college station tomorrow night here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros in southwest louisiana they could debate who should win the mvp but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio we just washed the hair you know i worked on the hair a long time and you, and you hit it it hits my hair now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 39 minutes after 4 o'clock. What's going to be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge? Is it Nerf one-on-one, best of seven and rock, paper, scissors? Is it a quarterback challenge? Or is it going to be a game of 2K22? So far, Nerf basketball has a commanding lead at 57.1%, while rock, paper, scissors, the quarterback challenge, and 2K each sit at 14%. So we'll see what happens there, whichever challenge wins will be played tomorrow here right before crunch time with Miguez and Mesh on Facebook Jamie Green says okay but what events for the quarterback challenge will Raymond Parsh the third be the receiver and miss five names the corner is it a nerf ball or a real ball so many details Probably be a real ball, uh, and then like I, like we said earlier, we're looking at an accuracy throw. We're looking at longest throw, and then being able to make throws on the run. 
out of each side of the pocket. So here today on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, we're going to preview the regionals for both UL and LSU. The Cajuns will be in College Station in the College Station Regional with Texas A&M, TCU, and Oral Roberts, while the Tigers are in Hattiesburg to play Kennesaw State, Southern Miss, and Army. Tomorrow night, the Cajuns will play TCU at 7 p.m. Uh, from Olsen Field at Bluebell Park. The Cajuns, somewhat familiar with the Horned Frogs, played each other a year ago here at MLT Gmore Field. The Cajuns, one of those games was won by Louisiana off of a dominant performance from Spencer Arigetti. TCU undergoing a coaching change this year. Jim Sloshnagel moving on to, believe it or not, Texas A&M. So now, you know, TCU looking to to bounce back with a new coach. They had a pretty good year this year. They took two of three from Oklahoma State, who at the time was the number three seed, and battled with Oklahoma. And then in the Big 12 tournament, beat Baylor before falling to Texas and Oklahoma State. To give us some insight into the Horned Frogs is Mr. Jamie Plunkett from Frogs Today. Jamie, good afternoon, my man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, man. Thanks for taking the time. Let's talk about the Horned Frogs. 36-20 and 20 on the year, 16-8 and eight in, the, in the Big 12. You know, I was talking about the schedule just a second ago. Sweeping Nebraska, you took a win over Kentucky. Like I said, you took two out of three against Oklahoma State. Just walk me through this season as a whole for, for the Horned Frogs. Well, for folks who, who followed TCU baseball closely this year, it really felt maybe like four different seasons in, in the span of one season. There was a stretch out of the gate where you mentioned the Nebraska sweep, uh, a tournament out in Arizona where they took two out of three, uh, where the, it looked like TCU was going to be uh, the world-beater TCU that folks knew from 2014 to 2017. Then they hit a stretch where they struggled against Kentucky. They lost a midweek game against Louisville. They lost two of three to West Virginia, and the hitting sort of disappeared during that stretch of about 10 games. Then they came right back and looked like world-beaters again. They swept Texas Tech. Like you said, took two out of three from Oklahoma State up in Stillwater. Obviously, Oklahoma State, the national seed in the tournament this year. Uh, and it looked like they could do no wrong right before they turned around and lost a couple of midweek games and dropped two out of three to Oklahoma. So it's been kind of an up-and-down baseball season for the Horned Frogs this year. But all in all, when you when you look at it and say, oh, well, it was kind of a roller coaster season and they still ended up 36-20 and 20 and winning the regular season outright, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty good season for the Horned Frogs overall. Now, we, we talked earlier about losing Jim Schlossnagel to Texas A&M and help me out with y'all's new coach's name, Kirk Sarlos? Sarlos, yeah. Sarlos, Kirk okay, Sarlos. that was close. Um, yeah. You know, how, is, how has the transition been and how has he, how has the team really kind of rattled, rallied around the new coaching staff? Well, it's, it's, uh, it was a good transition because for no other reason than Sarlos had been the pitching coach under Schlossnagel for the last nine years. And so players were comfortable with Kirk. Players knew Kirk's style of coaching, uh, especially the pitching staff, really kind of understood what he expected from them and how he planned to uh, bring them along. 
And so when you look at the turnover this offseason, he kept the then assistant coach, now associate head coach, Bill Moziello, around, which was a big win for the Horn Frog fans because Jim Schlossnagel was trying to bring Moziello with him to Texas A&M, and that was unsuccessful. Uh, so with Moziello there, who's really the, the main hitting coach, he's in charge of the batting lineup every day while, while Sarlos focuses on pitching and, and that side of things. Uh, that was a huge win. Uh, and then the rest of the staff uh, has been around. John DeLora was the, the graduate assistant coach. He kind of moved up into that third assistant coaching role. Matt Perk, who pitched for the Horn Frogs and then spent some time in the Chicago White Sox organization, is the volunteer coach, or excuse me, the graduate coach. And Kyle Winkler, another TCU pitcher who was on the 2010 College World Series team, is the volunteer coach who also works with pitchers. And so uh, it's a really well-rounded staff. It's a staff that's very familiar with the school just because of their, their time there individually. Uh, and it's a staff that's really been able to continue the culture of excellence that Jim Schlossnagel started and, and led for 18 years. Jamie Plunkett of Frogs Today joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jamie, looking at the hitting statistics for the Horn Frogs, Tommy Sacco and Braden Taylor, definitely the leaders, both guys hitting over 300, both guys with double-digit home runs. Sacco leads the team in RBIs with 51, Braden Taylor with 44, and then you're looking down, David Bishop has 46. You know, Talk to me about this offense and who Cajun fans should get accustomed to before tomorrow night. Well, sure. It's, it's definitely been an offense that's had an up and, up and down season. You mentioned Sacco and, and Taylor. Uh, you know, Tommy has been a, a wonderful transformation story this season. He was batting about 210 last year and, and started 50 games. Uh, so that he, he's raised his batting average about 120 points uh, from his junior year to his senior year, which has just been really fun for Frog fans to watch. Braden Taylor uh, is probably hands down the most talented player on the team just across the board. He's a true five-tool player. He's just a sophomore starting over there at third base, and, and he can really hit the cover off the ball. He is a if you if you watch him in the batter's box, you watch his presence at the plate. He has a professional approach to to hitting already. It just as a 19 year old kid. You mentioned David Bishop, but a couple other guys to watch near the bottom of the lineup that have really good mays are Luke Boyers and Porter Brown. Uh, Porter came in and, and took over when our left fielder, Logan uh, Maxwell, got hurt uh, in the middle of April, and he had himself an incredible May. Uh, and then Luke Boyers, the right fielder, had an incredible May as well, actually led the team in batting average throughout the month. So uh, from top to bottom, it is a pretty decent hitting uh, lineup, but the Frogs have had those moments this season where uh, they haven't been able to put across as many runs as they'd like. That being said, you know, they average about a little more than seven runs a game. So they're capable of putting it together. It's, it's just a matter of if they're all doing it at the same time. Riley Cornello, the sophomore from Colorado, is going to be the starter tomorrow against Louisiana. What can you tell me about Riley and the rest of TCU's pitching staff? Now, TCU's pitching staff has, has gone through it a little bit this year. They lost their original Friday starter, Austin Krobe who is now back in a bullpen role. They're, they have not had time to stretch him out back into a starter role. Uh, and when he got hurt, that's when, when Cornelio kind of stepped into the Friday starting role. He's a big lefty or big righty, excuse me, throws really hard. Um, also just a, a sophomore, a young guy as well. Um, throws really hard, has excellent off-speed stuff, especially his curveball. When his curveball is working, uh, he's going to get a lot of strikeouts, uh, which we saw in his last start of the regular season against Santa Clara. I believe he struck out nine or ten in that outing over the course of six innings. Um, so he's a big righty, throws really hard. Good off-speed stuff. Behind him, you've got Marcelo Perez, who is another uh, mid-season addition to the rotation because of injuries. 
Um, when Cornelio moved up to Friday, he moved out of the bullpen and, and started pitching off Saturdays. His first appearance of the season was against Texas. Uh, Perez is another righty who throws about just as hard as Cornelio. Uh, not as great command of his off-speed stuff, but he's got a slider that, if it's working, uh, acts as a really good one-two punch with his fastball. Um, and then on the back end, you've got Brett Walker, who has been in and out of the rotation, and, and Cam Brown as well as another potential starter if, if TCU gets to Game 3 in this regional They've got an abundance of right-handed pitching that throws really hard. Where TCU's pitching staff lacks maybe just a little bit is in that lefty department. They've got Crow, who's back in a reliever role. They've got Augie Milbauer, who is a good he's good in spot situations. But uh, if you're looking at TCU's uh, pitching lineups up and down, you're, you're going to see a lot of right-handed pitchers that throw really hard and, and some lefties that uh, can get the job done. But they're they're definitely lacking a little bit in that left-handed department. Jamie Plunkett from Frogs Today joining us. Jamie, got one more for you. Uh, in preparing for the regional this weekend, what does Louisiana do well that could give TCU some fits? You know, when I, I actually asked Kirk Sarlos this question just the other day during the selection show, and, and he mentioned uh, Louisiana's ability to steal bases. I believe Louisiana's top 10 in the country in stolen bases this year, both in attempts and bases stolen successfully. And while Curtis Byrne, at catcher for TCU, is, is a pretty solid defensive catcher, he's got a good arm. There have been moments this season where teams have been able to take advantage of slow deliveries on the mound to steal some bases and cause some havoc on the base paths. So that's definitely, if Louisiana is capable of getting some of those guys in the top of the lineup on base, they can probably start to move them around a little bit. That might cause some problems for TCU. Fantastic. Jamie Plunkett of Frogs Today joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time. Jamie, uh, enjoy the weekend in College Station, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. My pleasure. Go Frogs. We'll take a timeout, and we'll wrap up hour number one on the other side here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the 75th NBA Finals. And to celebrate 75 years of the NBA, we're giving all customers a $75 referral bonus. That's right. You'll give and get $75 in site credit when you invite friends over to join America's number one sportsbook. Now, how does it work exactly? All you got to do is invite your friends from the app. Make sure they sign up with your referral link. And as soon as your friend makes any bet of at least $10, you'll both get a bonus. The offer does end June 2nd, and Game 1 of the NBA Finals tips off. Don't miss your chance to bet on the Finals with a bonus. If you're new to FanDuel, you can also sign up with promo code KLWB to get any free bets after your first bet. That's promo code KLWB. Just head over to the FanDuel Sportsbook app and invite your friends today to get your $75 inside credit. You must be 21 or in President Louisiana permitted parishes only. You must wager 10 plus within 28 days after signing up. The referral is limited to 10. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in seven days. The restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Let's take a look at the poll question of the day. Pick the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge. Nerf basketball, best of seven rock, paper, scissors, quarterback challenge, or are we going to play a game of 2K22? Got a 
comment from our guy Steve Flint says, the way you guys looked in the home run derby, maybe you two athletic boys should try putt-putt. Hey, I like a game of putt-putt. I'm not against putt-putt, but I, I want you to have Hannah pit, p- pitch at you and also be 10 feet over where she's supposed to be. She, she She's like two feet away from us, so we got no time to react. She's five feet over from my left, pitching left hand. I don't know how I'm supposed to hit that, and she's throwing it at my head. Hey, Hannah tried. Hannah did try. That was her first time Hannah, pitching. But Hannah tried. I'd, I think I'd rather Clint pitch. We we are appreciative of Hannah Five Names. Thank you for being a good sport. But again, if if James is down to play putt putt, I mean, I'll I'll show him up on a putt putt course. I'll play putt putt. Go to uh, what's it called? A car ranch. Oh my god! You don't want to go to the cart ranch? Course? Oh my god! This I'm, man, this man hates cart ranch. <laughs> Anyways, hour number one in the books. Hour number two, Brendan Ertel is going to join us for Who Dat Wednesday, a day late. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, Gaz and Mesh, right here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two on your Thursday, right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 here on your Thursday afternoon. You got the NBA Finals tonight. You got some NHL playoffs tonight. Regionals start tomorrow. Got a lot going on. We got a lot to get into. Hour number one, we covered a lot. We talked, we dove into the NBA Finals. We had a preview of the Horned Frogs of TCU for the Cajuns tomorrow night. And so much more. Producer extraordinaire, James Mesh. Dude, how you feeling? Feeling fine. Yeah? Yep. We had a we had a caller on the hotline just now? Yeah, it was it was T. What do you have? He had another suggestion. Okay. Uh hot dog eating contest and then go throw. Or, oh or God. Play, or Take pitches from Hannah or whatever oh, whatever else we do. God. Um first off, I'm not big on hot dogs. <laughs> agreed. Secondly, just the hot dog or we gotta eat the bun too? I would assume eat the whole thing. Oh no. So like have no, a hot no. dog eating contest and then once you're done with like your ten however many you eat. Hey man, I am not Joey Chestnut. I was going to say, I, I, no, no, because here's the thing, what Joey Chestnut does and what they all do, you dip it in water so that it goes down faster, right? Yeah. I'm not eating soggy bread. I'm not doing it. Refuse. I also don't like eating a pot dog, hot dog plain, which I mean, you could dress it up, but it's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Right. So I'm I'm facing a dilemma, James. Okay. You you read about that FanDuel promo. The free seventy five dollars. Yeah. Refer a friend. Correct. 
I'm trying to get my fiance to sign up. Obviously, she's not going to bet. <laughs> he said obviously. But like, I, I, I need some bonus funds. Is that rigging the system? Maybe. No. Or is it, is it more using my resources? That's just, that's just see, being smart. Because you see, in school, I hated the term cheating. Were you really cheating? Or were you just being smart and using advantages that were presented to you? There's a thing called a loophole. Like, There's also finessing the system. And in my eyes... There's there's no rules against you having your fiance sign up and also have an accounts and then have that account bet so then both of y'all get seventy five dollars right there, there there's none illegal or against the betting rules that you can't do that yeah that's true that's true um I I, I she just texted me I think she signed up. So that's <laughs> she said. I think that's pretty. Now yeah. tell it. Now tell her to bet ten dollars on something in the finals. And uh, then, you'll, and then Celtics you'll get money it. line. Oh, for game one. I, I think the Celtics are going to win tonight. I just I do. Um. Martin comments on the Twitter poll question. Speaking of Madden, who do y'all think will be on the other cover of Madden this year? John Madden's going to be on all three of them. There's going to be three different editions, and John Madden's going to be on all three of them. Uh, they're going to have the standard edition. They're going to have the MVP edition, and then the all Madden edition. And uh, John Madden's going to be the cover of all three. Uh, it's going to be three different pictures of John Madden. Um, this year, I want to say, is it the 35th anniversary? Of the game? I think the game started in what, 88? I, I think it started in 88 because they did the 25-year anniversary. Correct, in, in 13. In, no, it was for what it, would have been Madden 14. No, that would have been Madden 13 because you had a Madden 14. Oh. Madden 14 was Adrian Peterson on the cover. Or... No. It was the, it was the 2013... Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Madden 25 was the 2014. You're right. Because Madden 13 had well, Odell no, because, on the cover. Well, no, because they, they counted up. So Madden 12 was in 2011. Well, right. They had, a, they had a Madden 2K13, or Madden 13, and that was for the 2012 season. Correct. And Calvin Johnson was on the cover. So in 2013 was, and then, 2013 was the Madden 25. Right, but that would... But that would only make this year's the 34th edition because it's Madden 23. Madden 25 was in place of 14. Yeah. So, so next year will be 35. Correct. Um, apparently they're redoing Madden. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. But let's, let's talk about this, James. LSU baseball playing in Hattiesburg. Cajuns baseball playing in in College Station, you know, we have some audio from the Cajuns watch party from Pete's on Monday when the um, when the regionals were announced. Excuse me. 
And one thing that Matt Deggs really touched on, and he's been touching on this for a while now, the Cajuns have played this season with their backs against the wall. And especially for the last four to six weeks, Coach Deck says they've been playing for their lives. Okay, see if you can get this one. Talking about the significance of the number 36. Well, it's hard to contain. We don't have enough time, but I could, I've been seeing 36 for three years. And, uh, you know, when I got into my hotel room, I look at the clock and it's 28. And the next time I look at it, it's 36. And uh, that's been happening for three years. I don't know why, but I am a man of faith. And uh, I believe that the Lord can speak to us in many different ways. And, uh, you know, I looked at it again one time. It's 36 and this and that. And, and I just thought, okay, and, uh, you know, this isn't about us. This, this goes way bigger than us. And uh, we're going we're to win this thing. And, and something great's going to come out of it. And then, you know, like, like we were trying to get to earlier, Matt Deck's talking about how this team has spent a lot of time this year playing for their lives. Well, we're a little bit weathered, right? Because we have. You're exactly right. We've been playing for our lives for four or five weeks. And uh, every game, high stakes, because we put our back against the wall in a challenging schedule, you know. And I talked to them this morning at a team meeting, and, and, you know, we all said we wouldn't trade that for anything. That I think it prepared us for this moment. And, you know, there's an old way to look at things is – Winning conferences, that's always our first goal, and it's fun. It's a it's a 10-week grind. But the climax, and, and it's it's not as exciting. And uh, there's nothing like winning a conference tournament. And, and uh, we did so against three really good teams, two of the better teams in the country, and three, four of the better arms in our league. And I think that speaks to our resiliency and grit and just our guys play for each other. And then also, media got the chance to speak with a couple of players on Monday. And one guy that you know a lot of people really wanted to talk to was Kyle DeBarge, the, the freshman shortstop from Kinder and Barb High School, who has really you know shown up for the Cajuns in clutch situations. He delivers at the right time. He's played great defense all year long. And Coach Dex has said time and time again that the kid's just a winner. And uh, here is... DeBarge talking about the feeling of getting the program back into an NCAA regional. Yeah, we had talked about that first first day, first meeting back in August. We had talked about we need to restore the grit to this program and get us back to a regional and even farther than that. So for us to do that for this program is feels really good. Another leader on the team this year was Tyler Robertson from Montgomery who, while back in his hometown, hit two home runs against Texas State to carry them over the top seed 3-2 to two that Saturday night. And now playing in a regional for the first time, here's Robertson on if they feel any pressure in this situation. I yeah, I don't think there's like any pressure. I mean, like like Coach Dex said, like we're unafraid to crash and burn, just go out there free and loose. But I mean, again, don't be afraid. Just go out there and have fun. Just play how we know we know how to play. Hard, free, and loose has been the lifestyle of this program, and nobody has embodied that more than Jacob Schultz a pitcher who really seems, you know, reserved, quiet to himself, 
but man, when he gets on the field, he he knows how to light people up. And on against Texas State Saturday night, a 142 complete game performance carrying Louisiana to that 3-2 win, putting them in the Sunbelt Championship game. And according to Jacob Schultz, the regional is right where this program should be. It's incredible. I mean, this is what we where we expect to be. We all expect to be here. And uh, last year we just fell short. And then this year we punched through like we should have. So it's not so much like we're like happy to be here, but we expect to be here. This is like this is where we should be. As a reminder, June twenty second is the game's birthday, and this is your remind. This is your invitation to come party with us as we celebrate ten years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June twenty second. There will be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite personalities here at the game. Kevin Foot, Raymond Parsh the third, Hannah Five Names, Jordy Holtberg. James Mesh and myself, Matt Miguez. Not to mention, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be live at B Dubs. So come join us Wednesday, June 22nd from 4 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash at B Dubs on Ambassador Caffrey. Let's take a time out right here, James. And when we return, we're going to talk some Saints. We've got audio from New Orleans, and we'll dive into some top stories in the world of sports before we talk to Brendan Ertle. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 2nd, 1987. The Seattle Mariners select Ken Griffey Jr. with the number one overall pick in the Major League Baseball Amateur Draft. The kid would go on to become a 13-time All-Star and a 10-time Gold Glove Award winner. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Talking New Orleans Saints as they fight through OTAs. Currently looking at Chris Olave getting action as a rookie. Jarvis Landry showed up today to get some reps in. His first as a New Orleans Saint. Jameis Winston getting healthier and healthier and you know, while we're on the subject of Jameis being healthy, let's listen to some audio from Jameis Winston where he spends some time breaking down his injury and his recovery process. So so the biggest the biggest thing about my specific injury was the meniscus. It, it wasn't the ACL, MCL. Um, the MCL actually healed on his own even before first before surgery and the ACL Dr. Neil Elchard, he did a phenomenal job of it, and like he does, he does these, he does this for his life. So uh, that was a that was a, a easy, not easy for for us, but it was a pretty simple procedure. But the meniscus repair uh, has been the biggest limiter uh, for me right now in terms of moving, in terms of rolling out, in terms of certain movements that I that I'm not able to do just because of the timetable uh, of the recovery. But uh, my ACL is very stable, my MCL is very stable. Uh, I'm just right now I'm building around. Uh, in, in fighting with the meniscus. 
Jameis also spent some time talking about his receiver room with Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Traquan Smith, Marquez, Marquez Calloway, and even Deontay Hardy. Here's his thoughts on his new receivers in New Orleans. One, always just the, aspira- the, the aspiration and the dreams of playing with Mike Thomas as dominant as a receiver that he was before he got injured. The addition with Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry is phenomenal. And also, man, you got guys like Marquez Callaway and TQ, uh, Traquan Smith, who are playing great football, right? And the competition in that room just went up another level. And, I mean, we I ain't even talk about Deontay Harris. Just having him being, being in a role where we get to take hits off of him because now he doesn't have to play 55 plays. He gets to play 30 plays on offense and be electric on special teams. Staying on the topic of Jameis Winston talking about receivers, here he is spending some time diving deep into Chris Olave. Smooth as the other side of the pillow, right? He's just really smooth. Uh, he can get in and out of uh, breaks uh, very well. Electric uh, and smart, man. He, he's a, he's a guy that's, that's always asking questions. He's a guy that that wants to wants to know like how do you want it? Uh, and I and I really respect that. Uh, he's a he's a pro right now as a rookie. So uh, I'm excited to see that. And then lastly, Jameis spent some time talking about Dennis Allen being his new head coach in New Orleans. Just commanding, man. Like I always knew that he was a great commander of the defense, uh, but seeing what he brings to the team meeting room has been very exciting, uh, has been very encouraging, uh, the way that he commands that room. And uh, I got a re- lot of respect for, for Coach. And, and I know that I knew that he was going to come with it just with the fire and the passion that he has on that defensive side of the ball. But seeing the true leader he is uh, among all these men, uh, both sides, offense, special teams, and defense, has been uh, really inspiring. James, give me your thoughts on Saints OTAs and and the things that Jameis had to say. I love it. I love it. You you could tell his demeanor has changed. I I don't want to say that the injury was a blessing, but maybe but maybe it was. But but maybe it was like maybe it was a blessing in disguise because he also had touched on it at, a, at another point that. What were what what's would you say are some of his biggest flaws? We Jameis? know he's had we know he's had the decision making where obviously you saw the thirty interceptions plus fumbles, but he was able to kind of fix that with Sean Payton last year before the injury. But another thing that really got to him, and, and something that kind of frustrated you at some points was he was a little inaccurate with the short and intermediate passes and like being down the middle. Well, since you don't want to be on your on your legs too much, you don't want to run around while you're still trying to recover from an ACL, what do you kind of do? Just standing still, and at that point, you're kind of doing little dink and dunks, and you're right. kind of hitting more intermediate passes. So that helps you a lot, and we know what he can do deep down the field, but if you can improve that, short accuracy and you get the gimme passes where it's like it's it's super simple he's 10 yards away and you hit those on a dime a lot more consistently than maybe throwing it a little behind and the receiver has to come back to it or you throw it too far ahead and you create a hospital pass then that that can make a lot of difference in a game so having these little nuances and you fixing the little things and being able to hit on the shorter and the intermediate passes, that can make a huge difference. And 
help take the Saints to a whole nother level. Now, tell me your thoughts on Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry and just the growth of the wide receiver room since, you know, over the last six weeks or so. It's, I don't even know how to describe it because it's, you reset and you reload it. Yeah. It, it almost feels like, it, it, it kind of almost feels like Whenever, like, I don't even know because I've never had this much of a turnaround before. Like, initially last year, your wide receiver one was Marquez Callaway. Your number two, you would say, was Traquan, but he he wasn't there for the first six games. So Deontay Hardy was kind of more that number two. You can, and then at that point, it's little Jordan Humphrey, Kevin White, Kenny Stills, whatever the rotation is. And at, po- at one point, it was Chris Hogan. So, and Jameis was throwing to his, his wide receiver one was Marquez Calloway, which in most instances, you would say he's at best a number three. Yeah. So, having this whole reset, because it almost feels like you just made a signing or a trade for. Michael Thomas because you haven't had him in damn near two years. Right. So having him back is, I would count as an addition. It's huge. You make the signing of Jarvis Landry and you get Chris Olave in the draft who some would consider, a few people would consider the best, but for the most part he's more conditioned as the third best. And even if you're the third best, being the third best in a loaded receiver class where you would say there's probably about 13 to 14 and that and I feel like that's almost lowballing of quality receivers in that draft so this this wide receiver room has bec- has leveled up tenfold yeah so the fact that he has the weapons now the line may take a little bit of a dip because you don't have the security of Teron Armstead but at the same time he wasn't there half the time anyway, so maybe half the time you're only somewhat worried. Even then, I don't even think you're all that worried because you will have times where you're like, man, having rookie mistakes by Trevor Penning, that does suck, and you'll be like, man, really wish Teron would have been back. But at, at a certain point, you're you're kind of going to forget that tr- that you don't have Teron anymore, and you're gonna be like, I love this Trevor Penning guy. Yeah. Like his mentality. Is some different. It, the impressive. fact that he's the fact that he said I the fact that my favorite part about football is I get to physically assault people and I don't get in trouble for it. Come on, right. <laughs> that's the best job in the world. Right, right. Yeah, I mean it's he's. I mean, you remember when we talked to Elliot Clough? Yeah, I mean the dude's just a mauler. That that's how he's played football his entire career, and. The one thing that everybody has said about Trevor Penning is he's going to struggle with the discipline side of it because it's so much different in the NFL than it is in college. In college, they'll let you play a little bit after the whistle. They're not going to let that. Ha- they're not going to let that fly in the NFL, especially as a rookie. Especially as a rookie, they're really not going to let that fly. Um, and so yeah, and here's and here's one thing, and and you'll have an he'll have another year under his belt. But the fact that now that we don't have, or at least I didn't, but a lot of Saints fans did, 
was Adam Trotman. Because he only had, what, 15 catches his first year of his career? And then last year, now that he's all of a sudden being pushed to being the number one guy, everyone expected him to put up Jimmy Graham-type numbers. I, I feel like now that the expectation has died, you can you can kind of live with what he's doing right now, being a really good blocker and still developing as a pass catcher in the NFL, which is weird because you drafted him to be a pass catcher, but he turned but he turned out to be so good at blocking that that was his focus those first two years. Yep. And now he's starting to become more of a pass catcher now that you don't have a Jared Cook. Now you don't have a Jimmy Graham. Now you don't have a even though he wasn't all that good, you don't have a Kobe Fleener. Right. If you if you give him time and you don't have this certain level of expectation, yep. you won't be as disappointed. And and you'll look at him and be like, the guy had 40 catches and five touchdowns for 500 yards or right. for like 450. That's that's not too bad. No. Because no, after what you thought he had, after what you would think he would have had like 70 catches for 670 and six touchdowns when he only got 27 for 263 and two, it, it, you can lower it a little bit and be like, okay, I can live with 5,505. Right. I can live with that. Right. Because especially with how talented the receiving room is. Well, now. for sure. For sure. You're not going to rely so much on your tight end. Um, and, if and, you, and if you're working on, and if Jameis is working on the pass game, your, his short pass game, you'll still see a right. lot of production out of Camara. Mark Ingram will get some catches, and you may even be shocked. But and then, if if Abram Smith makes the team, you may see him make. Oh, a- Abram Smith's making the team. You don't pay a UDFA two hundred and something k, and he doesn't make the team. Yeah, that kid's making the team. What kind of role he may, is he, he going to have? And he may even play some linebacker. Who knows? Oh my God, what role is he going to have? We don't know. Kids making the team. There's there's no way around that. Today is the day that you are going to sign up for the game Clubhouse. Not only is it free, but you're going to get the chance to enter to win awesome free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's, mouthwatering steaks cooked to absolute perfection, tremendous side dishes, and more. Only way to score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse is by becoming a member of the game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today like right now we're taking a time out you got five minutes go sign up right now crunch time with me guys and mesh will return on the other side with brendan Ertle and who dat wednesdays you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles it's your home for the lsu tigers in southwest louisiana he's gonna go touchdown saints who's ready for some new orleans saints talk we are here is good at wednesdays with canal street chronicles brendan ertle on crunch time with miguez and mesh hi guy brendan ertle a day late but still better than ever brendan what's going on man how are you doing good yep a day late i missed you guys yesterday but doing good Good, man. Glad to hear it. So before we dive into the Saints, give me your NBA Finals prediction, and I want to bet to place. Okay. Um, I knew you were going to ask me this, so I already thought about it. 
I'm going Warriors, and it, I have I wasn't really going back and forth on this. I I think the the Celtics match up well against the Warriors, but just what the Warriors do well, it, I mean, if they're hitting their shots, you just can't really keep up with that. Um, I was actually just placing a bet on underdog fantasy, and Clay Thompson has been uh, his bet has been around three to four threes a game, and he's been just knocking it out of the park. So if you want free money. Go take Clay Thompson on over on the three and a half threes or whatever it is now. Um, he seems to always find his jumper early in these games. And I, I mean, I think the Warriors are just going to be too much. Uh, I think Jalen Brown is one of the best number twos in the NBA, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a good series, but the Warriors have just been so dominant lately. And I think it'll be too much. Okay. And what's your bet to place? Um, I, I I haven't looked too much into it tonight, but I am. I I I guess flat out just take the Warriors. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, just they've started every series out so hot. I I think the Warriors are going to get this one tonight, and I don't know if they'll split or not. But I am going Warriors in six. That's that's what I got. James, you listening to this man? He's bashing your team, bro. I, I I've seen James on Twitter too. I, I and I res, I respect what the Celtics do. I I, I really do. Uh, I think that Miami Heat team was really really good, uh, but they did a lot of things that you know Western Conference Finals or Eastern Conference Finals teams don't usually do. So uh, Kyle Lowry didn't really show up, and they it really took Jimmy Butler to do everything to to even just keep them in the game. So I mean. You go, you're going to have your hands full of Seth Curry and, and the gang. Yeah, no no, no doubt about it. Chatting with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles here on Who Dat Wednesday. All right, Brendan, OTA is still going on. Jarvis Landry showed up today. Jarvis and Jameis, it already rings. The The, the connection is there. You know, what what did you see out of today's session? And, you know, what are you excited about now? Mm-hmm. It was good to just see him out there. Uh, I think he was there the entire week this week. I mean, we won't really know. Uh, but it's really good just to have him in the building. I know he couldn't make it last week, and that's totally fine. And there's not really a concern when players miss. But for a guy like Landry, it is super – I think it's more important for him to be there than a lot of other people just because of this playbook and how meaningful he's going to be to it. But in the seven-on-seven seven period, what I've heard about Jarvis Landry is – Really, really encouraging things. And you just watch the videos that you see on the sidelines from the reporters, and it is, like, remarkable the routes he runs. We haven't had a receiver run routes kind of like as good as Jarvis in, in a very, very long time. And having two guys like that with Olave as well, you just watch him just go run a stick route. It is remarkable. It, it's it's beautiful what he does. Um and in the seven-on-seven period, he had a, uh, a great one-hand catch. And, you know, he let the DB know that he's the alpha dog there now. And I, I think the people, the thing people get caught up in is OTAs, it's important. At the end of the day, it's really not that important. Uh, and that's why players are obviously missing it now and team leaders like DeMario aren't there. So getting Landry there now and showing that he's the alpha dog in a practice where it doesn't really matter, I mean, who does that remind you of? And it reminds me of Michael Thomas. I mean, he's going to bring his 100%, and he, he might talk a little trash, 
but he's going to let you know he's the alpha dog each and every single day. He's not going to take a day off. So just from the jump, getting Jarvis out there and taking over at practices, exactly what you want to see out of him. All right, Brendan, I have been handed a nickname slash joke combo oh, no. on a silver platter by James Mesh. Jameis and Jarvis, does the connection's name become J and J as they exterminate oh. defenses? Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. You have to bring it up to him. Hey, James James, what you think? Look, I love it. I love it because it, it, I, I had thought of it with the ACDC connection with uh, Amari Cooper and Derek Carr. I was like, oh. it, it kind of works the same way. Yeah, it kind of it does. It does. That's ACD. They're back in black. I I, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. impressive. Very impressive. All right, Jay, uh, impressive. Brendan, let's talk about the running back situation. You have Alvin Kamara, obviously. You have Mark Ingram, who's getting up in age but could still maybe be productive for you and then you have abram smith who put up big numbers last year at baylor clearly the saints see something in him with the amount of money that they've already given him you know what what is your take on the running back room as it stands now and do you still see the saints doing something whether it's free agency or a trade to bring in another running back uh, at this time, I think I think they're fine. Uh, I think them bringing in Sony Michelle for a visit was more of they are were they were a fan of the prospect of the player, what they what he could do in the offense, and that was before they signed Jarvis as well. Obviously, they lost out on that sweepstakes uh, sweepstakes to Miami. Um, but you know, like I said last week, Daryl Williams was at the front door and he he didn't even get a visit. So I don't think they're overly worried about it right now. And obviously, there's tons of guys behind Ingram and Kamara, like you said, Abram Smith, uh, Tony Jones, Dwayne Washington, and a few other guys there as well. So I don't think you have to worry about it too much yet. And I think the concern about Kamara being suspended, there is still a concern. But for the amount of games, I don't really know for sure yet. And I've only kind of heard positive things about them pushing this back. And obviously, we'll see uh, Marcus May had a court meeting uh, yesterday as well. So we'll get to some suspension news here pretty soon. But can you imagine the outroar if Deshaun Watson and Kamara got the same amount of game suspension? So oh, I yeah. think it's it's kind of in the league's hands to do, you know, the people right and give him, you know, what he deserves. But I, I don't think it just measures out to, you know, Deshaun Watson's situation. So I don't think he's going to get as much as people think. And I think it could appeal to get that down. But, you know, you lose Kamara for three to four weeks. Uh, I think you're in a position where – Ingram can, he can do it. Um, obviously, in years past, they've added running backs right before the season. Um, a guy just popped in my head is, I think his name was Mike Gillisley from New England. He came in and played a week, and they cut him the next week uh, when Ingram got suspended for a few games. So, I mean, if they feel like they need to, they will. But at this moment, I think they're fine at the position, and we'll kind of just wait and see which, until training camp because you really, really can't assess the position in OTA just because of how light contact it is. And, you know, running backs, it's all about the vision and uh, how you can read the whole line and your balance, obviously, what Kamara does really well. So I mean, we'll see when training camp comes. Yeah, no no doubt. Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here on Crunch Time when we get some mesh. Brendan, you and I both write 
for Canal Street Chronicles. Our guy Chris Dunnels wrote an article today titled, Zach Bond Doesn't Fit the 2022 Saints. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with him? 100%. The thing was, when we drafted him, it was really always about how is he going to fit. Because when we did draft him, we had a huge need at linebacker uh, next to DeMario. Obviously, we later signed Colin Alexander. But Zach Bond was pretty much an edge rusher in, in, in college at Wisconsin. He was very good at it. And the Saints, you know, they tried to move him at that weak side linebacker spot. They tried to put him in the middle. They tried to put him, you know, everywhere. And it just it hasn't worked out yet. He's been a solid, you know, special teams contributor. But you don't draft a special teams contributor in the third round, uh, especially with the needs that they had at the position at the time. So, and, and, and last year as well, we saw Zach Bond even line up at, at kind of like the, the on-ball linebacker position. I don't think... It's it's going to be really hard for him to make this roster just because the value that he has is the same as a guy like Andrew Dow. I mean, Andrew Dow, I think at this moment is a lot more valuable than Zach Bond because of special teams. Um, I don't think it's time to give up on him, but I think this is a very, very, very important training camp uh, for him and Adam Troutman. But I think Adam Troutman's in a much different boat. But I don't think Zach Bond really fits this scheme very well, and I think. You know, he'd fit a scheme better in like a Green Bay or Baltimore where they run more of a traditional 3-4 where he could actually get playing time at the position they started at. So I just don't think this transition has gone as smooth for Bond as the staff has liked. But, you know, Duns is right. You know, Duns is always right. Duns is always right. There it is. Kalik Washington as well, a, a guard slash tackle from Southern Miss, just signed a three-year deal today. He spent a lot of time in post-draft minicamp with the Saints. What can you tell me about him? Um, I, I, the first off thing, I thought it was uh, interesting they got a three-year deal. So what that shows me is, um, obviously a lot of UDFAs get deals like that, but not this late in the process. Um, I, I bet he had some, some kind of interest with some other teams, and they just said, you know what, uh, we'll get a three-year deal and try to, get, try to get this done. But what it shows me is, you know, they bring in another guy. Uh, they brought in Khalil Warning. Uh, last week, too, tight end, third-round pick. Um, just bringing in guys, test out the depth. And I think they actually really like their offensive line depth right now at the, the tackle position. Uh, but interior-wise, you got to get stronger. So might as well bring in a guy like that who has lots of upside. Uh, I think he spent some time with the Ravens at some point or had interest. I read some about that. Um, so good to just bring in depth at the position, especially a position where you know you got Cesar Ruiz and Andrews Pete, whether you like him or not. Uh, you still need depth. Calvin Throckmorton there as well. So, uh, you know, depth piece and pretty much the camp body, and we'll see if there's anything more than that. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here for Hoodat Wednesdays. Brendan, what other headlines are you seeing out of New Orleans? What are some other things that the fans really need to look out for here over the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the season? First off, what you – need to stop looking out for is the Jameis Winston limp. We've, this has been something that has been talked about in the past two weeks, and it's starting to drive everyone crazy, especially Nick, uh, who wrote the story. Uh, not, it's, it's really not an issue with Jameis Winston with, with, his, with his knee and the limp, and supposedly today it was noticeable, noticeably you know, a lot better. So just trying to, you know, when you tear your ACL and MCL and meniscus, that's kind of what happens. You just kind of limp on that knee. So I don't think it's a huge issue. But moving forward, I want to see uh, more from Trevor Penny. I want to see more from Chris Olave in, in this draft class. 
Landry talked a lot about how out, he said he's outstanding, uh, that being Chris Olave, so far in this process, and he's known him for, you know, a week. So these these periods where Jarvis and, you know, Olave gets, gets to kind of meet up and uh, build that chemistry is really important. And, you know, we, I think we got one more week of OTAs, and then we got the, the mini camp as well. So I don't think – Deuce McAllister said it best, I'll say this. He tweeted out, the main headline of OTAs is, I'll see you at minicamp. And that, that is really true. Is This is, you know, it's a training. You, you're working out. You're, you're learning the playbook. Uh, but, you know, C.J. Gunnar-Johnson, he's out there doing his own thing, and he's doing great. So uh, it's really going to be way too minicamp. And it's, it's exciting to see these guys in the field. Obviously exciting to see Jarvis out there in black and gold. Uh, but really just sit here and wait. Enjoy the NBA playoffs. Enjoy the NHL playoffs, and just wait till minute camp. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us here for Hootat Wednesday. Brendan, really appreciate you taking the time each and every week. Uh, love the insight you provide on the New Orleans Saints. And as always, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Love coming on. Tune in next week for another edition of Hootat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel's giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, the point spreads, the player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. I like the Warriors to win game one as they'll be at home, and I also like Clay Thompson to score the most threes in the game. Just sign up with promo code KLWB. If you haven't tried FanDuel yet, now is the perfect time to give it a shot because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing out on all the action. Join today with promo code KLWB and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like a Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, an official sports bank partner of the NBA. And make sure to use promo code KLWB. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. First deposit is $10 required. Bonus issued non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Got about two or so minutes left in today's show. What's going to be the next Miguez versus Mesh challenge? Looks like we're playing one-on-one Nerf basketball, James. We hooping it up. We hooping it up. You're going to (laughs) win because you can make shots from the back corner of the room, and I'm just too strong. I shoot it too hard. Sounds about right. That's what it is. I just I, I'm too you, strong. You turn for my to own you good. turn to Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I'm too strong for my own good. Um, so I mean, there it is. Fifty seven percent of you are asking for Nerf one on one, while only fourteen percent for the rest of the challenges. So we'll figure out how to make that work, and uh, I guess tomorrow we're playing. Yeah, let's try, try to make it. Try to make it tomorrow. Nerf basketball. If not, we'll do it early next week. Yeah, or try um, to find a way to do it during the weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe. I'll be covering baseball this weekend, but maybe we could. I mean, I will too. Else. But it's like, like if at one point it's like, hey, yeah, we got we got three hours between games. So let's go do this real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, NBA Finals tonight. You got some NHL tonight as well. The Oilers and Avs, eight to six. Last time they played Tuesday night, I mean the Avs scoring four goals in the second period to make it seven to four. Edmonton roaring back in the third with two of their own to make it 7-6 before the Avs put it away. The Avs will be without their starting goaltender, Darcy Kemper, tonight. We'll see what kind of factor that plays into it. And then also the Lightning and the Rangers last night, the Rangers taking down the Lightning at home 6-2. So New York leads that series one game to none. I'm going to take this opportunity to thank Brendan Ertle and Jamie Plunkett for joining us today here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. James Mesh, appreciate all you do. For I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Friday fun show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.